This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. rhyming duo of Stephen Day and Ollie Kay. The first time we've got Ollie on a podcast making his Oak Road Hatter debut. Ollie, how are you getting on? No, I'm good. Uh, thanks for thanks for inviting me on. Um, doing all right. Uh, news hasn't been great about Nathan Jones, but um, we've all been expecting it. That's it. And, and Stephen, how are you getting on? Take two for us. So, uh, we're going to get it right this time. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, all things considered, I'm I'm relatively okay spirits. Yes, um, as we've both, well, all three of us have been alluding to there, big news at the moment regarding Luton Town, regarding Nathan Jones about what his future holds. He's currently speaking with Southampton. News has, has emerged recently that... Cohen and Sheehan are likely to go with him and that £4 million compensation is close to being agreed. It's um, a very, very strange situation for us Luton fans to be in. Um, you know, Jones has been the manager at this club for, for how long it has been now. And um, we know we, we've seen him depart before. But ultimately, he has been a long-serving manager when you consider other EFL managers. just It's crazy. I think I seen a stat the other day about Mick Bill being one of the division's longest-serving managers. And um, he was appointed in the summer, which just shows what it's like to be a manager in the EFL this, these days. We're going to also look ahead to Stoke. Um, not ahead, look back at Stoke because that was... A disappointing way for Jones to end it, if it is, to, to end his reign as Luton boss. 
I think the first place to start will be with you, Ollie. You wrote our four observation pieces of piece after that match. What did you make of it overall? It was a very painful watch. Uh, it was a lot of huff and puff from us. Um, it was quite poetic that um, at the end of Nathan Jones's tenure, um, well, most likely the end of his tenure, uh, it all ended um, with Stoke pulling our pants down. And it was a right smash and grab from them because they didn't really have to do much. We just sort of bent over them, gave them two nice, easy goals, um, not doing the basics, laying crosses in. Um, both goals came from crosses. Um, and, well, with the second one, Lockyer was very unfortunate to head it in, but it was it was a great finish. Um, Stoke actually put a tweet out and showed it in slow motion just to highlight how good the finish was. Quality, quality header. Um, the first one, you, ju- you just can't leave a player unmarked like that. Nick Powell didn't even ghost in. It was right smack bang in the centre of the goal. And he he took his he took the diving header well. Uh, there was nothing Eisted could do about it. Uh, unfortunate for Eisted because it also was against his former club. Um, but again, he was completely unmarked. He ghosted in behind Pelly. Um, it was a painful watch. We hit the post. Carlton Morris missed a sitter from about four yards out, passed it straight to uh, straight to Bonham. Uh, yeah, it was it was a painful watch. I'm happy I didn't go to Stoke. I just watched it on iFollow. That would have been a long journey back. I'm happy I didn't watch the game in real time either. I'm um, happy that I had football training last night, and I think that's. Uh probably the best way to sum up the evening um i've watched it back now it didn't look good at all as you said the first goal when you dealing with a cross like that it was a lofted cross you've got time to adapt and and to to shore things up at the back um it wasn't necessarily a defense splitting pass it was very very disappointing after going 90 minutes of, of pure resilience against Blackpool and then to let that slide with, with you know, a moment of def- lapse of concentration, whatever it was, yeah, it was disappointing and always going to be an uphill battle for, for Luton, given our record when going behind. Stephen, I'll, I'll come to you with this. We've seen it before when we go behind that, that we start to get a lot more of the ball. Teams sit back against us. And it means we, we, we struggle to carve teams open. And I guess that could be said of last night. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I, I wasn't able to watch it either. So I can't say too much. But I think with with teams sitting back once they go ahead, I think they kind of expect, they know what to expect. And usually that we'll end up going for more direct balls. Obviously, we are one of the you know the the leaders in the league of uh, the amount of direct balls we play. Um, so yeah, I think it's they kind of know what to expect if they get an early lead, and they can almost sit back and contain us. Um, yeah, it's frustrating, but it's smart from the opposition teams really. And I think Stoke is going to be a hard away day regardless as many teams are in this league and 
I think. Um, yeah, it was just a matter of Stoke played the game well. Yeah. Yeah, I think they played the opening few minutes well. I wasn't impressed by them um, outside of that. Yeah. Yeah, which I think that's what made the, the defeat and, and the manner of defeat that, that little bit more disappointing that they were there for the take. And, and as we say, it's um, it's a game that we'll look back on and, and probably with the chaos surrounding Jones at the moment, it's, it's hard to make out whether that's a, a sign of worrying things to come or if that was just purely down to, to managerial chaos and, and the, the news that continues to follow us with this Jones situation at the moment. Um, I guess coming back to you, Ollie, the, the thing we look at is that, you know, started the evening two points from the relegate, uh, two points from the playoff position, sorry, only gone to three points, um, three point gap now. That's still a positive, the fact that we haven't lost too much ground. And, and before this World Cup break, we've got Rotherham. We've got a good opportunity to, to chip away at that three-point gap. Yeah, um, well, it's, the championship is tight, as it always is at this stage of the, stage of the season. Um, it's definitely good that we have one more match. Just limp over the line with whoever's going to take over for the for the next game, bed in the next manager. Because um, I, I highly doubt we're getting anyone in before Saturday, um, with most of the week already gone. Um, interestingly, though, um, about la- last night's game, there were conflicting reports from Jones, who said, "Yes." My my situation has destabilised the players. And then Harry Cornick, in his interview that was released today, said we weren't destabilised by it. So it was just a poor performance, um, which is disappointing because um, we should have just done better in that case. And that is the case of, yes, we are however many points, three points, off the playoffs at the moment. We're three points behind Watford um, and they're in sixth place. Um, and it's a case of what what could have been because we've lost um, 13 points from a losing position so far this season. And, you know, sure, we it's natural that we wouldn't get all 13 of those points. But in reality, if you think back to the Wigan game, we shouldn't have lost that game. Uh, it was the 80th minute where we just collapsed, and again with a with an own goal, and then uh, an absolute belter from outside the box. Huddersfield's three set pieces that we got done by. Um, we should be further up the table, and then there's refereeing decisions that have gone gone against us, like a Coventry. I, I feel it all evens out, and naturally with a new manager imposing his ideas, hopefully we will be higher up the table. My, my, pre, my pre-season prediction was an eighth-place finish, and we're pretty much operating within that realm of, 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 of expectation so far. Yes, as you say, we're, we're operating just outside those playoff places at the moment. All could change with Nathan Jones' departure. We don't know what kind of effect that will have. We'll go on to the Jones-related stuff now because 
of course, how could we get through today's episode without mentioning it over and over again? Um, just going to speak through the situation as it is at the moment, because of course, subject to change. I think news first surfaced about Nathan Jones potentially taking over at Southampton on Monday morning. Um, club gave permission for Jones to speak to Southampton. Since then, we've had the game against Stoke, which wasn't too telling about what way it would go. I think majority of us are sort of confined to losing him. But at the same time, there's still that that um, feeling that he could potentially stay and then continue building what he started at Luton. Um, I think that's probably been wiped away now with, with continued reports about him departing and, and probably the, the update from John Percy of The Telegraph stating that Chris Cohen and Alan Sheehan would likely follow. Um, there's also talk of that £4 million compensation. I think, Stephen, looking at it, it, it does feel that he is gone. Yeah, I mean, The Athletic, 25 minutes ago, uh, Jacob Tanswell, someone that's been reporting on it a lot as well, um, said that Southampton are set to confirm it. So it's 99.999 recurring percent done, pretty much. Um, I I was holding on to the hope that he would stay um, very naively. And as some people on Twitter are saying, you know, those people have been idiots, but I just had that hope. Um, but you know, you can't, as, as he said, like it's, it's, it's just such a, a hard thing to, to not consider, let alone not go. Um, yeah, it's, it does feel quite similar to when he left the first time. And in my mind, I thought when he came back, it was going to be longer than this tenure. So um, I'm I'm quite disappointed by that, to be fair. And um, yeah, it's... I really, I really thought it was going to be a longer time that he was in charge and I thought he would, you know, take us further than just getting to the playoff semi-final. And um, yeah, but sometimes a fresh start isn't that bad. He he has managed us for three hundred and three games over two periods, which I would say is pretty good. So, um, his first stint was one hundred and seventy games, and then this stint is one hundred and thirty-three. He's been here for quite a while. Um, I'd say just under six years in total. And yeah, I get where you're where you're coming from, it, it, it does feel like a right gut punch that he's just, he's leaving before the, the project has been finished, Operation Premier League. I guess I felt like that you could argue, I guess you could argue that a lot of players have been saying that when they joined in, like Jack Stacey, when they joined in League Two, it was, we will be championship. So maybe Jones is happy with what he's leaving us with because he's, you know, had us in the championship. He's got us to a playoff semi-final. Um, I think it's just, I feel like momentum was on our side and um, I was hoping that the mind, 
he might be the one to take it forward still. But, um, uh, you know, a Premier League team comes calling, it's hard to turn down. I guess, Stephen, after what you've been saying about there, do you have any grudges? Do you think that, that Jones shouldn't be taking this job? Do you think, you know, after everything that, that's gone on, do you think that, that Jones should be taking this job or is it a, a great opportunity for him to, to advance his managerial career? I mean, it's obviously a brilliant opportunity and it's... As again, as I said, like it's one of those ones where it's just you you can't really turn it down. But at the same time, like I am personally disappointed with him because I naively thought he was going to be here longer than this. I thought it was going to be you know it could be five years, ten years, maybe ten years was definitely too much of a, a stretch to think about. But um, it's emotionally i'm i'm really upset because i you know we all bought into it back in league 2 and i thought when he came back it was he not a changed man but like i thought he would feel he would think twice about leaving what with what feels so soon because realistically this is our second season back full season back since covid so um yeah, it's it's just hard to get the words out really because it is just upsetting, but at the same time, no one can really blame him for it. Um I understand some people getting, you know, quite angry with him, calling him a mistake, and I also understand people that are like, Yeah, see ya all that sort of thing. Is it's just for me it's like Upsetting. I thought he could have got us to the Premier League. Um, Sheehan and Cohen going as well is a huge gut punch as well. Um, but I think, as we're going to say over and over again, it's just one of those ones that you you really can't blame him for. Respectfully, I disagree with your opinion about it. About it. About Nathan Jones. One. You know, he shouldn't leave. He should be with us for a lot longer and finish the project. I I feel, compared to the last time he left us, he's leaving us in a much better position now. Um, he, he's managed 303 games, um, 170 the first since, 133 the second stint. Um, he's progressed us from 19th, although he didn't, do the full season 19th to 12th to 6th and he's left leaving us a ninth position I think he's done very well I believe we should say thank you and um and good luck and uh you know wave him off as long as he doesn't just leave he's got to say bye to the players and and do it in the, in the most amicable way possible um I think I I think good luck to him. Um, it, it's it's time to move on um, for for us and for him. And he he's done well and he deserves his shot at the Premier League now. Yeah, it's a horrible a horrible situation because I fully understand it. Um, you got to look at his career. Um, he hasn't had many big paydays. He's he's 
stint at Stoke was short-lived as a player. You know, he didn't really get those paydays and he probably got an opportunity to set himself for life. And, and that's not the biggest reason. That's not even the biggest reason why he should be taking this job. It's an opportunity to to operate in the Premier League. Not many managers, not many British managers who haven't had a, a good footballing career get the opportunity to to get themselves into a Premier League job. And um, whilst I do have my doubts with, with sort of stylistic features, I don't know um, if a, a more direct approach will, will be able to work at Stoke. But as we've seen, he's, he's tactically flexible. He, he got us through League Two and League One, playing a bright attacking way. Had to obviously adapt to being in a division where we do not have the finances of other championship clubs. Um, he therefore recruited athleticism, he recruited you know, intelligence, organisation throughout the first sort of two, three years. And, and that's why we continue to operate in this way because it is getting us more success. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure how he will meet the demands of, of a youthful Stoke squad. That's uh, Stoke, I keep saying Stoke. Youthful Southampton squad. Stoke's in my mind. Stoke is too, too much in my mind. Um, but yeah, a youthful Southampton squad. And of course, there is scope for him to do very well. He's, he's a very impressive manager. And he's, you know, the, the things he's done for our football club are, you know, unimaginable at, at the time of when he had originally took over. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a completely different project for him. And he's starting at the beginning again, ultimately. So uh, good luck to him. And yeah, we, we, again, we're speaking here as if he has gone. It's still that, that slimmest of possibilities that he remains at the club. So, oh, he's uh, gone. Yeah. He's gone. <laughs> yeah. No, John Percy's like, we're one for news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to see him in the stands at Southampton tonight you know Southampton playing so he'll he'll be there the, the the cameras will be on him right up tight it'll be plastered all over Twitter just you wait I think it's just a limbo of waiting for the official official announcement it just feels like it's not over yet yeah I don't yeah. know why the way yeah that's what I mean I want I want the closure mm. I think that's why I'm feeling quite upset about it at the moment as well, is that it's gone from Monday to nearly Thursday and it's, you know, still not 100% sure. Obviously, there's that only 0.0001% chance it will stay, but even then, that's that's a bit hope. That's a bit um, too much. But yeah, it's just... The limbo is just a bit annoying at this point. Let's talk new managers now. Okay, we're, we're you know we're resigned to thinking that he's gone. Um, there has been some names in association with the job already. Um, Gary O'Neill being one, uh, thirty-nine years old, current caretaker boss at Bournemouth. Um, you know he's got a good reputation so far for for what he's done and. and course there's scope there for continuity in, in terms of stylistically and, and being somebody that will be able to continue a, a project what are your thoughts on on Gary O'Neill um Ollie, I'll come to you with, with uh, O'Neill first so O'Neill's done a decent job at Bournemouth because before 
uh, Scott Parker left. Well, when Scott Parker was still in charge of Bournemouth in the Prem, they it wasn't good. I just assumed they'd be coming straight back down. Um, now I'm second guessing my assumption because Gary O'Neill has really steadied the ship there. They've actually got some decent results out out the bag. He's got the players playing. Billings doing well. Solanke's come back in. He's getting a few goals here and there. Um, but however, I don't think, even though he is interim and Bournemouth might be looking for a new manager, um, which would be crazy on their behalf because um, he's doing an all right job. Although accounts say he's he's not good at changing it up in the game. He can't mix up the tactics. From that John Percy tweet, I know we're hinging a lot on that. It said Luton are already interviewing candidates. And because of that, it leads me to believe that we are just interviewing free agents because there haven't been any reports that we've um, activated any any uh, compensation clauses. There have been no leaks, and normally there are leaks, especially now that we're a big championship side. Normally there are leaks that will say Luton have approached Cambridge for Mark Bonner, or Luton have approached Bournemouth for Gary O'Neill. So it, get, it leads me to think that we're just looking at free agents. Which isn't bad, because there are some fantastic free agents on the market currently. Um, I, I wrote an article about some of the free agents that are available. Um, uh, I think Daesh might be a bit out of our price range um, with his salary expectations. Um, but there are some good ones, and I've seen Neil Critchley bandied about in terms of someone that we might be interviewing, and I think that's a very sensible, astute choice from the board. Because we can't be having another Graham Jones. That is for sure. That is for sure. He's mentioned it there, Stephen. Ollie's just said about Neil Critchley. What are your thoughts on, on Critchley? Is he somebody you think can advance where Luton are right now and, and try and you know deliver promotion for us? Maybe not this year, but but look in the head. Yeah, with with Neil Critchley, I don't know enough about him to really say if I think he would be the right man to take us forward or not. Um, but I think when I think of his name, it's people, I do remember people talking about him quite positively. So um, it could be a good risk to take, but at the same time, it could be something that doesn't help us out going forward or doesn't at least um, improve our current status, really. And um, I think that's the that's where we're going to be looking at these managers going to be helping us to mid table championship finishes and keeping us in the championship. Or is it, are they going to really going to have the pedigree to really take us towards the top six? I'll throw another name out there, Ollie. We, we mentioned there that the, the initial tweet from Percy, which we are pretty much relying upon at this stage, um, it would suggest that free agents are being spoken to because nothing has surfaced from the media. Potentially later down down the line on, on the potential candidates list could be somebody like a Stephen Schumacher at Plymouth, currently top of the league. Um, you draw parallels to, to where we were as a club when Stoke came knocking for Nathan Jones the first time round. Um, would he be somebody that, that interests you? Is he somebody that, that has 
you know, shown enough pedigree to, to warrant a, probably you'd say this at this, this time, a top championship job. Very much so. He plays a back three. Goals and assists all over the pitch. He ticks a lot of my boxes. However, um, the, 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 we, we spoke about this before, um, uh, off air. Luton like to be the nice guy and we're not going to go ahead and poach a League One manager. Because during the World Cup break, League One doesn't stop. So it will be a direct parallel to how when Stoke came in for, for NJ the first time around. And um, and that was a big month for us. Like we had Sunderland and we had Portsmouth. And we were sitting third in the league. Um, it, it, it's, it's harsh to poach another team's manager, which I understand. But from a selfish perspective, yes, I would take Schumacher in the blink of an eye because Plymouth score a lot of goals. They don't concede many. As I said, they play with a back three, which I've actually grown to love because it protects you against formations when there's one up top, when there's two up top, when there's three up top. It just gives you that protection. It gives you creativity. It gives you the chance to overloads in the wide areas with the with the wide centre backs as well. Um, and he, it doesn't seem like a flash in the pan because he did, he did a good job when when Brian Lowe left. He's carried it on this year, and he's up against some big teams in League One. There are some big heavyweights in that division now. I'm so happy we're not in League One because. Just the, the the teams that are in there now. Oh, oh my God! It's um, and and he's top of the pile. Him and Plymouth are top of the pile. So yeah, I I would take him. But I know I know that Gary Sweet won't approach Plymouth because he doesn't. He wants to be the nice guy. He doesn't want to derail another team season because he saw how it happened. How how it went with us. Fortunately, we maintained our momentum and we. Kept going, although I controversially say we sort of limped over the finish line, um, even though we finished points clear of, of Barnsley. Um, yeah, I, I would take him. Um, but in reality, I don't believe we will. I think we're going to go for a free agent. And Stephen, I, I wrote a list earlier and I labelled it unattainable. And I had Sean Dyche in there. I had Chris Wilder and I had Stephen Schumacher. Do you think those three managers, uh, you know, unlikely candidates, ones that, you know, uh, are good, but not in the position to, to you know, be approached by Luton? Um, well, I would hope that Sean Dyche doesn't want it because Watford... We played for Luton. We played for Luton on loan. Yeah, he had like 17 appearances for us in like 98, 97, 97, 98 even. I feel like he has more of an affiliation with Watford. He does. And, uh, he does. It's, it's one of those ones where it's like that, um, I'd rather I'd rather not. Um, if it was guaranteed that he'd take us up, then fine, whatever. But there's no guarantee of that. Um, 
obviously, as Ollie just said, there we don't really go for managers that are currently at like uh, currently managing another team. So Schumacher, I think, again, as you said, the the, the name of your list unattainable. Um, but I hope that Chris Wilder is probably the least unattainable of the lot because I think I would like him uh, to take us forward. And I've, I've not looked into managers too much, um, but I I think my personal choice would be Wilder if we had the choice. Um, but yeah, I hope he's the least uh, unattainable out of the list. And I think he might feel like he's got something to prove as well in the championship, considering that it didn't go right at Middlesbrough. And yeah, so I think hopefully he's got the, he's got a bit of a, you know, I've got to prove myself and get another team promoted from the championship. And hopefully he thinks that he can do a job with lower resources and a hardworking team. Yeah, I get you there. I personally wouldn't go for Chris Wilder. Um, I think I think there was a friction within the club created by the fact this is at Middlesbrough sorry because of the fact that he was he you know wanted to spend out of, of what Middlesbrough could afford um I think there's always I don't know for me a bit of a red flag when relationships break down between between the board and the manager, I think automatically that makes me a little bit skeptical about about what they'd do at Luton, especially a club that that doesn't have the funds to to do even what Middlesbrough have done in recent times, and that proved to be too too little for him. Um, I think he's an incredible manager. I think he's you know going to get another good job. I just don't think Luton would be the the fit for him. Um, yeah, but then when you think of the way Luton operate in terms of, of not poaching, um, it, it's difficult to, to see. For me, I'll, I'll come to you. I'll come to you both as well to hear your ideal candidate. But at this stage, I really like the sound of, of Neil Critchley. I like Mark Bonner as well. Um, I think that would represent a bit of a risk. And again, can you call that poaching? Given that that that. No, it's, it's mid-table. Um, they're not really going to turn up any trees and, and go for the playoffs. I, you wouldn't think. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one, but I like Neil Critchley. I like Mark Bonner. Um, I really like Stephen Schumacher, but I've, I've placed him on that unattainable list. Um, some good candidates that will be out there, but at the same time, there'll be ones that, that we want to try and avoid as, as a football club. It's... Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster over the next few days, but I'll come to you both for. We usually do a score prediction around now, but we're going to change it up. We're going to do a managerial prediction. Ollie, who would you like to succeed? Nathan Jones, and then in brackets, if he departs. My, well, it's sort of my first choice would be Neil Critch. I have a top three. Can I give you a top three of who I take? Okay. So, number one, Neil Critchley, purely because of his tactical awareness, his connections with Liverpool. He was the under-23s coach there. So, if you want a good defender or defensive midfielder, he'll have the connections to, to bring them in. Uh, number two, Chris Wilder. Um, I, I believe a lot of the friction of Middlesbrough was... Um, 
over the Jed Spence money because Middlesbrough have needed a striker. Um, they did really well last season under Wilder, but fell short of the playoffs just because they didn't have a striker. Um, so this season, he wanted a striker, which I, I think is very fair. Um, and I, why are there fireworks? It's, um, it's it's not Guy Fawkes night. Sorry if you're hearing bangs. Um, I, I believe with Wilder, um, we would have everything he'd need. Big, powerful strikers. Maybe he can sign some defenders, but he'd have to rein in the checkbook. Outsider, Valerian Ishmael. We have two of the front three that, that he... Um, that, that he had previously at Barnsley to great success. Um, sure, Woodrow's injured at the moment, but I think DK is on par with Adebayo. Um, so we could play a very similar style. Um, in fact, it'll be a very similar style to what Nathan Jones is currently doing, which is long ball forward into the channel, secondary press, win the second balls high up the pitch. That's exactly what Ishmael did at Barnsley. It worked really well. Um, West Brom, by all accounts, got very bored of that type of football, but it's highly effective. So that that would be my top three. Yeah, I think that's. uh, I think Ishmael. You know, again, I don't. I I don't know how attainable he'd be. Um, It's quite difficult to judge where he is at now as an expectations kind of thing, and, and also from a from a salary kind of perspective as well. Um, not too sure what he would be demanding. Um, Stephen, what about you? Where would where would your money go if you were a betting man? Um, I mean, there's a difference between being a uh, well betting on it and who I would actually want. Um, I think Ishmael is someone that I. I would like to have as well um, because of what he did with Barnsley. I think it wasn't the right fit for him at West Brom. I tipped them to do really well with him. Didn't work out. Um, But I think being a similar stature of Barnsley, I guess, um, in this league and the way we already play, it would suit him well. But I, I think my... I'd say I'd want Wilder. Because I think going going for the managers we've done since John Steele, which has been Nathan Jones and Graham Jones, we've gone for inexperience and um, risks. Obviously, taking Jones back wasn't really a risk. But um, I think young managers, I think we need to take a step away from that and go for experience and people that know the league. Um, if we can, obviously that might be out of our, our um, financial range. So, um, yeah, but I think it's, I would, if I was in charge, I would want to go for people that are experienced with the league rather than younger managers that are a bit more of a risk. I'm not saying that experienced managers aren't a risk because they will be, but um, it's, yeah, for me, I would prefer experience over um, inexperience. Where do you stand on Will- Neil Warnock? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's coming out of retirement. He's got an, he's got a nice 
family life down in I think extra, I think it is, or something like that. And I don't think he's coming up here. Yeah. He knows the I news, think he'd though. be tempted. He's got bags of experience. He'd have to be tempted. <laughs> yeah, he's the kind of manager that would be tempted by anything. Um he always says there's that this is this is my last job and um it hasn't proven to be the case yet. I'm pretty sure we're the only team in the entire football league and Premier League that he hasn't managed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't argue with that at all. Yeah. Last question I'm going to ask you about the managerial situation is, is we're, we're mentioning there about different candidates, but do you think Jones potentially departing, does that change the ambition? Does that change the objectives of this season to know, get in the top six again? Do you think that whoever is tasked with the, the job will be expected to, to compete for those top six places again? Or will it be about uh, bedding them in? Or, or does that come to, to how experienced this manager is? If we, we do go for a, a project-based younger manager, will it all sort of those, those expectations be lowered? What, what do you sort of stand? Where do you stand on on that kind of that kind of argument? I think expectations will be lower, but um, it doesn't mean to say that we can't continue what has been started. Um, but I think regardless of who comes in, um, we know it's going to be completely different to what it was with Jones. There's going to be a different coaching staff. And yeah, I think it's going to be completely different. And that is worrying, but at the same time exciting because it could it could easily be that we turn into a team that finishes 18th because we're getting used to the style or it could go really well. And we get momentum after the uh, the World Cup break and whoever's in charge builds on what we've got already. And we've got, you know, another real serious push for promotion. And um, yeah, I think is change is worrying, but also exciting. My reaction, well. I've just seen the first picture of Nathan Jones in the stands at Southampton and Sky Sports have confirmed that he's he's gone, that Southampton have signed him six minutes ago. Yeah, there we go. There we go. We can start uh, dropping the iffy departs then. We, we can yeah. start talking normally. So now that he's gone, I believe the new manager um, will be allowed to bet in Fortunately, it's good timing with the um, with the World Cup, the very inconveniently placed and morally bankrupt World Cup. Um, any new manager coming in won't be expected to push for the playoffs. I think they they will be expected just to try and maintain a position in the top half of the table. Try and go for a top half finish. Playoffs will be a bonus. Top eight is also a good start. Um, but I believe um, it, it's a case of get your feet under the table for the first, well, for the for their for the second half of the season, their first season, and then um, whoever it may be. 
and then push on next year with um, some recruitment, hopefully some loan signings um, in the summer, hopefully some new signings in the summer as well. Um, also, we have the January transfer window coming up, um, but we have we have a hectic Christmas schedule to come before that. So if the new manager doesn't bed in well during this World Cup break, we could be uh, looking at the January transfer window from the bottom half of the table if it doesn't go. That's just, you know, realistic uh, impression on it. Because um, with the hectic Christmas schedule, and if our players pick up injuries or if they don't come back from injuries, I'm, I'm thinking about Reese Burke. I have no idea about his injury because no one's mentioning anything about it. Um, we could be worryingly looking um, at the January transfer window from the bottom half of the table. And that changes our options. Regardless of whoever is uh, managing us at the time. Let's talk Tom Lockyer because it has emerged that he is on the flight to Qatar with the world national squad. He's part of Rob Page's 26-man squad. Get in there for Tom Lockyer. What an achievement. He started the season um, fifth choice, you'd, you'd probably say, fifth choice centre-back, and, and now is, is probably our most important player. Um, you know, of course, we want him um, for selfish reasons. We want him training with the squad and be prepared as could possibly be for, for after the World Cup. But taking that away, what an achievement from Lockyer. And, and we'll all be excited watching him potentially play a part in the World Cup. Look, he's made me eat my words completely. Because after the Newport game, I said I wouldn't want him anywhere near the team, really because he doesn't look match fit. He got turned inside out by League Two defenders, uh, de- attackers, and he's gone and done this. And I'm very happy to be eating my words um, and be proven completely wrong. And I think even if we, you know, we selfishly want him to be fit for after the break, I don't think there can be any complaints with having, a, you know, a very important player of ours being at the World Cup, playing against, you know, the world's best, basically. So um, there's going to be a brilliant experience for him. And I hope we can, you know, we can benefit from that as well. And I think uh, at the same time, I'm also thinking it's it's brilliant that we're going to have a player at the World Cup as well. At the Euros, it was like, oh, you know, we've got two players and that's that's pretty good. But it didn't, feel something about that for me like wasn't like oh it was like okay cool but at the world cup is like okay this is brilliant that we've got a player playing at the world cup and i think we've got a good opportunity i think it's 10 o'clock tonight to, to find out the usa squad find out if even horvath will be part of that which uh again something to keep an eye on um going back to Lockyer though ollie um yeah, just from your perspective, how good will it be seeing potentially seeing Lockyer running out and you know got the opportunity to play a part against England? It's um, yes, yeah, all all very exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm with I'm with Stephen on that because uh, after Newport, it didn't look like it was going to be a good season for him. Although he took his goal very well, uh, and even though 
Matt Macy did assist with uh, that game unraveling before our eyes. Um, Lockyer came in, and defensively right away, we looked much better. Um, and he's been a warrior at the back. Um, while all his comrades have been falling, he's just stood firm, blocked everything with his face, his chest, his groin, whatever. Just throws himself in front of everything. It will be great seeing him play. My concern is that he's going there and he'll just sit on the bench. But regardless, it's a great experience. And I imagine a massive honour to represent your country at World Cup. Um, and regardless whether he's playing or whether he's uh, just sitting on the bench, fair play to him. I'd prefer if he sat on the bench, though, because he wouldn't come back injured. Although training might take a, a toll on him. And it's the same with Ethan uh, Horvath. Unfortunately, he, he's played really well, uh, which isn't the unfortunate part. Unfortunately, he's going to be behind... Um, He's going to be behind Matt Turner, I believe, who's um, a bench player at Arsenal, which makes no sense. Um, but I guess pedigree is pedigree, and if, if one player is playing in the Premier League, even if he's not playing, he's going to start. And that, that often that is often the case. That's it. Well, we'll go... I've realised we've been rambling on a lot longer than usual today, so we'll go into Rotherham. We'll speak Rotherham. Um, of course, it's the new, it's the next fixture. Um, one to get excited about. Who knows? We might even have a new manager in place by then, but yeah, I imagine that's quite unlikely. Um, Rotherham, the final test before the World Cup enforced break. Start off with Rotherham as a team this year, um, generally. And every time they do get promoted back to the championship, there's an expectation that they'll go down, uh, reflected by the bookie odds, um, reflected by budget and, and every other bit. Paul Warren leaving as well was a big blow. But they've proven to be quite resilient against some of the top teams this year. Um, they, they took Burnley very far and, and uh, sending off pretty much turned that game on its head. They've beaten Sheffield United. They've taken points against Watford. They are a team that can battle out and I guess my question to, to you Stephen does that worry you that they're a team that, that can grind out results and the, the fact that we've struggled against teams at home this year that, that come with a game plan to, to frustrate us always a worry but at the same time I think with Jones being gone now I think it's Hopefully that kind of goes out the window because they're you know they're they're probably thinking you know this is probably a bad time to be playing Luton because they just you know lost their manager and the squad are going to want to prove something as well. Uh, I think having them having won a derby match against Sheffield United last night and and us losing to Stoke is obviously we're going to want to finish before the World Cup breaks strong. So are they, but I think we might have the momentum and the, uh, hopefully the, you know, drive to actually finish before the World Cup. It's really strong. Um, and, you know, hopefully we're the, the better out of the two that are doing that. So, yeah. Um, it's always a worry playing against a team that wants to frustrate us because it does feel like we can't break them down ever. 
it's something that I think we've always struggled with as well. But um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to it because it's gonna hopefully gonna feel a lot like after the after the first time Jones left, and we're gonna be really really behind the players, and and you know show them that no one's bigger than this club really. Um, not in not saying that that anyone thinks that, but you know showing that we're always behind them no matter who's who is the manager. 100% and I think it's only fair to get into some score predictions now we've had our managerial predictions um, probably one of the most confusing score predictions we'll do because we just don't know anything about um, who'll be in charge um, how we're going to set up it's going to be an interesting one to see how it plays out Ollie, as your debut today let's get your score prediction first I'm going for a Desmond 2-2. Fair play, fair play. And Stephen? I'm hoping it's going to be the uh, the first home game that I see us win this season. Um, so I'm going to say 1-0. It's going to be a rocky, rocky game, but it's going to be 1-0 to us. It's never, never a case that I'm the most optimistic when it comes to score predictions. I'm going 2-0. I'm going to go for a good positive display and we're going to end things positively. Tom Lockyer is going to go to the World Cup and start and everything's going to be plain sailing and we're not going to get any injuries over this break. And Corley Woodrow and Reese Burke are going to be back available after the break. I'm, I'm, um, Jones going's going to be hard, but I think it's all going to be all going to be positive after that. Well, thank you both for joining today and thank you everyone else listening. Of course, we're on the socials. So on Twitter, we are at Oak Road Hatter. On Instagram, we are Oak Road Hatter Pod. And also check our website because we've got a lot more written content in recent weeks, which is www.oakroadhatter.com. We're going to continue to keep an eye on things as the John saga continues, but it does look pretty much done and dusted and, and Luton will be seeking a new manager. But until we find out more and bring you an episode next week, it is goodbye from us. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.